Amen. Well, my name's Billy. I'm one of the pastors on staff. If you're new here, you don't know me. Um, but hey, we just finished, so if you are new here, we just finished a two-week fast. So well done, church. And so kind of before we get into it, yeah, woo, kind of. <laughs> before we really get into it, I'm gonna throw up a QR code because I'm just gonna do a quick survey. It's like two questions. Just did you do it, basically. So just a quick corporate fast survey. We will just kind of gauge where the house is and how we, uh, how we did with that. And so... Um, because, you know, we're wrapping up, we're not wrapping up, excuse me, wrapping up the fast. We're in the middle of a series on prayer. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. This is week three. We got a few more weeks after this. Uh, and so by now you should have figured it out. So, no, I'm just kidding. Two, a couple sermons that's not gonna get us over the hump. Who, raise your hand if you still need help in prayer. Anyone? Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, a couple sermons isn't gonna do it. In fact, the, the need for help in prayer is a steady state for us as humans. That's a constant position we will always be in no matter how many books or sermons we listen to. We will always need help, always. And today, uh, you know, especially when, if you've tried it this past two weeks, maybe more than you've done before, you've come into some human struggles maybe. There are so many struggles when it comes to prayer. First of all, it's just the desire to do it. Maybe you just like, if you're honest, like I just don't want to, but I know that I should. And if you can overcome that, then it's just the, the practice of making time to do it. So maybe you want to pray, but just practically you're like, yes, I know, but I'm just busy and I just never got around to it. And if you overcome that hurdle, then it's like, well, you're finally in that quiet space. And then you're just like, well, now what do I pray? How do I pray? There's another hurdle. And then when you finally figure out, okay, I know what to pray and I know how to pray, there's distraction. Man, anyone been there? Where you're just like, Lord, I thank you. You are so good. You're so faithful. And I forgot the milk. I got to go get the milk. Like, that happens so much to me. I'm like praying. And all of a sudden, I'm like, yes, Lord, and I need to do that email. I forgot about that email. And, and I'm like, 15 minutes has gone. I'm like, man, what did I, I just, what am I doing? Uh, <laughs> and then once you can overcome distraction, maybe you simplify, get some structure. Then there's the hurdle of just sticking to it, right? Where you're just like, I did it one day, two days, three days. And now I'm like, okay, I'm tired. Uh, endurance in prayer. There's so many hurdles and we need help in prayer. And today we're gonna talk about how God helps us specifically in his being. Just the fact that God is a Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How the Godhead helps us in prayer. And I want, I want you to take away a phrase and it's, it's this phrase and I think it'll stick and easy to remember and help you in prayer. But we pray to the Father, through the Son, and in the Spirit to the Father, through the Son, and in the Spirit. And we're gonna break that down very simply today. That's, that's the roadmap for this morning. What does it mean to pray to the Father? What does it mean to pray through the Son and in the Spirit? It's gonna be fun. All right, well, let's talk about the Father first. <clears throat> uh, of course, if you think about prayer, maybe one of the questions you, you have if you're just thinking about the fact that there is three in one, and that's a little confusing, is who am I actually praying to? Like, who's on the other line? When I'm calling God, you know, is it, and of course, the obvious answer is like, well, there's three in one, they're all there, they're all listening, it's, 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 he is there, it's God, you know, and it's not wrong by any means to pray to God the Son, which is Jesus, you know, we see this in Acts 7, Stephen says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. It's not wrong to pray to God the Spirit, just praying to the Holy Spirit, but what I want to point out is that we see a pattern in, Jesus, in the life of Jesus and in the teachings of Paul is that they often prayed and most always prayed to the Father. They addressed him as Father. I mean, we see, you know, the life of Jesus. He said, 
our Father who art in heaven. Pray like this. I thank you, Father, that you've hidden these things from the, the wise and intelligent. They're always addressing God as Father. Paul does the same thing. I thank you, Father, from whom every name has been named. I, I bow my knee before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and I thank you in my prayers. I'm thanking the Father. And I'm not, I don't wanna make too much of this, but I also don't wanna make too little of this. I don't wanna, uh, when we address him as Father, it does something in our hearts. It conditions us in a way, to receive from him as a son or a daughter. It, sometimes for some people, it can be easier to call God Lord or master because there's like, hey, I'm here for your service. But to call him father is an intimate thing. It requires relationship. And I think Jesus knew that sometimes we struggle with that. So he says, I want you to call him father. They didn't do that in the Old Testament, but now call him father. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. And so we're gonna first derive help in prayer by simply understanding his nature as a father. And when we need help, there are typically four categories of people, four types of people that respond to our cry for help. Firstly, there's the people who can't help you and they just won't help you, both. And so, you know, think of, I, think, I like action movies, so like a movie interrogation where someone's like, I'm not gonna tell you anything. And even if I, I don't know anything, but even if I did, I wouldn't tell the likes of you. You know, it's like, I'm not, it's like, okay, they're not gonna help. Then there's the category of those who uh, can help, but they just don't want to. Those would be jerks, you know? <laughs> then there's a the category of people who, who want to help, but they just, they just literally cannot, even though they try. So like my kids, for example. And <laughs> they're young, they're very young, so they wanna help. It's like, all right. And then there's this final category where there's someone who wants to help and someone who can help. And this is the category our father fits into. He wants to help and he can help. He can do both. He holds the world in the palm of his hand. He, he can help in a big way. He is almighty and powerful. But also, if you look through the story of the Bible, he wants to help. Whether it's Abraham, whether it's David or Jesus himself, he is there helping his people. But... I think most of us already believe that. And that's not our hang up. We're like, yeah, of course. We know he can help in this room at least, I believe. We know he can help, he's, he's God. And depending on what we're praying for and about, we believe that he actually wants to help. It's like, yeah, I know you can, I know you want to. The question that we actually have is, will he? Will he actually do it? That's the question. And that is the actual, maybe the fifth category of people who can help. It's not just someone who can, not just someone who wants to, but someone who will, that's our father. He's a man of action. He's a man of action. Psalm 91.15 says this, he will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. This is one snippet of a verse. But we have to be able to see beyond his can and his desire to see the fact that he said that he will help us. He will, and he's a man of his word. Let's look at a couple other scriptures that highlight his track record of helping in the Bible. Psalm 96, verse one. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 121, one and two. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hebrews 2, 16, for assuredly he does not give help to the angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. 
Hebrews 4.16, therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He is, so, I mean, this is, I'm just pulling some script. There's a lot more, as you can imagine. There's a lot more, but he is someone who can help and wants to help, and he will help if we just but ask. If we ask. If we just ask. It's simple. When I was in high school, I was a senior in high school, I had this very unique, rare privilege of meeting the then president of the United States. It was George W. Bush. W, it was great. And... Um, we, had a, we, 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 had, we did have an interaction, like a conversation. It was a one, back and forth, and the, the detail, details of how that all played out is for another time. But um, that sounded very clandestine of me, actually. Yeah, I can't tell you what happened. I'd have to kill you all. Um, but in the moment, I'm talking, obviously, this is a powerful guy. And I'm thinking, I am talking to the most powerful man in the country, if not the world right now. But... The truth is, if I were to ask him to help me with this personal matter in my life in that moment, he may have the ability to help me. He's the president, you know. He may even desire to help me out of empathy, like, oh, poor kid, you know. But he's not going to help me. There's other things going on in this world. It's just like, I want to and I, I could, but I'm not going to. And the, the truth is that a hotline to the White House is nothing compared to the privilege we have in prayer when we talk to our Father. It is nothing. The president doesn't have one billionth of the resources that our Father in Heaven does. And he couldn't care as much as our Father in Heaven does. We would think, well, if I just have some connections up, at the, up in D.C., then we can make things happen. There's a better way. Talk to your Father. Talk to the one in control of it all. He can make it happen. And this is the God we're praying to, someone who has all the power, all the desire, and the will to do it if we ask, if we ask. So this is the one we're praying to. It's our father. Okay, if that's who we're praying to, what about Jesus the son? What's his role in all of this? What is his role? Well, when Jesus began to teach his disciples how to pray, he started with the basics. He started with the mechanics of it. And it started with the do's and the do nots. Do not stand on the street corner and think you're gonna be heard because you're loud and long prayers. Don't, don't do that. And then he gave them structure. And he said, here's the Lord's prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he gave them faith and inspired them through parables of endurance and, and, and pressing in in prayer. Was that his only role in prayer to teach? Of course not, it wasn't. And we see this because near the end of his ministry in his life, he, he actually added another lesson that he had not taught them before. It was only at the end of his life that he did this. Let me read some scriptures. In John, starting in John 14, 13 through 14. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Let me check my phone. Hold on, I might be off on something. No. Verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the father in my name, he may give to you. John 16, 23, in that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your, your joy 
may be made full. Now, did you notice the, uh, <clears throat> the things he added on there that he had never taught them before? He taught them to pray, but he never taught them this. And he said, from now on, use my name. From now on, I give you my name in prayer. Use my name. In the name of Jesus. We pray that a lot, right? We, we hear that a lot. What does that mean? Does that just mean I'm about to hang up the phone? That's how we, we typically pray. It's like, eh, long prayer in the name of Jesus and I'm done. We're just giving God's a heads up. I'm almost done. You hang up first, I'm gonna hang up first. Like, is it, is it just like a shipping label you slap on the end of your prayer and you're like, that'll get through there. What is the in the name of Jesus? Is it a magical phrase like abracadabra, right? I, I was reminded of the scene from Lord of the Rings where Gandalf goes to the mines of Moria. You know what I'm talking about? Speak friend and enter and the door is open. He's just the elfish language. Yeah. Anyways, that's not what it is, okay? Uh, it doesn't, so I wanna stress this and I probably can't stress this enough. Just because you open your mouth and say in the name of Jesus does not mean you are praying in the name of Jesus. It does, is not what that means. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that. So what does it mean? I wanna, tell, I wanna share two things of what it means and then one thing that it does. Two things of what it means and what it does. First thing, to pray in the name of Jesus means you are approaching God on the basis of his merits, not your own. If the FBI were to come to my door and just bang, 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 open up. But if I heard this, bang, 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 open up, it's Carl. I, you know, my, what's my response gonna be? It's not gonna be like, uh-oh. It's gonna be like, who's Carl? Like, why are you banging on my door? He's like, it's, it's Carl and I got Steve and Robert with me. Open up. It's like, that's not gonna get me to open the door. But if I hear bang, 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 open up, it's the FBI. Then I'm like, oh, that, that carries a different meaning. Because apart from the authority of the FBI, Carl's main name, it means nothing. It's nothing. I, <laughs> I'm speaking from experience, okay? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I have not been raided by the FBI. Has to do with my... Conversation with the president, no. Wow, I can, I can get lost in that. Here we go. <clears throat> Apart from the name, I mean, apply this to the spirit. Apart from the name of Jesus, I have no standing to enter into the throne of God. I can't, let alone make a request of him. It's, if I were to go to the, the door of heaven, the, the courts of heaven, and bang on the door of heaven and say, open up, it's Billy. I'm not gonna get a response no, it's Christ in me that will get the response. It's not me. The doors won't open for me. It's his marriage that opened the doors, not mine, not mine. In other words, to pray in the name of Jesus means you have so evaluated yourself as utterly wicked and sinful that to go to the courts of heaven would not only mean you would get rejected, but potentially judged. So instead of doing that, you say, actually, I'm gonna come in his name based off of what he's done based off his righteousness and God will open the doors for Jesus. I don't, I don't have confidence to come uh, to God in prayer. I don't have confidence to come into the presence of God because I had a really good quiet time that morning or because I've been reading my Bible or not sinning lately or because I was speaking kindly to my wife and kids. That's not what gives me confidence. All of that is rubbish when it comes to gaining me entrance into the presence of God. That doesn't help. Coming to church even, won't even help you. No, the only reason I have confidence, Hebrews 10, 19, I have confidence to enter the throne of God by the blood of the lamb. It's the blood of Jesus that I can have confidence to approach him. 
It's the blood of Jesus. From that place, I can stand before a holy God and make a request. Outside of that, I'm in trouble. So if you're not, the same applies on the, other, on, the, on the negative end. If you're not coming to God in prayer because you feel too unworthy, feel too dirty, too fill in the blank on the negative side, chances are you're, you're trying to come in your own name. Don't. We, come, we approach, I have confidence to enter his presence because of the blood of Jesus, Hebrews 10, 19 says. So that's the first thing it means. His merits, not mine. The second thing it means is that I am seeking his glory and not mine. We're pretty removed, actually, if we're gonna take on the name of Jesus. I'm seeking his glory and not mine, meaning the objective of my prayers should be for the glory of God, the ultimate objective. This is not to say that we shouldn't pray for our needs. And I think we saw this a couple weeks ago, that the Lord taught his disciples to pray. And in that prayer, there was a lot of just practical things, inner peace, it was daily bread, a strength over temptation. But the Lord wasn't teaching them to be selfish in prayer. He was teaching them to pray in a way to receive from God that he knew would ultimately glorify the Father. So we can pray for our needs, that's not what he's saying. But praying in a way that would ultimately glorify the Father. First Corinthians ten thirty one: whether we eat, whether we drink, do all for the glory of God, all of it. How much more prayer? Eating and drinking is one thing, but how much more prayer? It's for his glory. And when we are approaching God and making a request, we dare not request something that would not bring him glory, that we know would not bring him glory. He won't answer. That's not coming in his name. That's, for example, if you, you know, I, I played a lot of sports growing up and I was big into football and soccer. And, and no joke, before games, I don't know if you've ever done this before, you're praying, and I would pray uh, these prayers that were like, Lord, just strike the enemy with blindness. Just <laughs> have them just throwing up all over the field so that we just dominate. And uh, for your glory, of course, uh, you know, like that's, that's a prayer he's not gonna get behind. He's, you know, <laughs> that's for my glory, 100%. That was not for the glory of the Lord. But we have to come for his glory. Jesus did this. And when Jesus obeyed his father, when he did the work of his father, did the will of his father, it says he brought glory to the father. That's the connection. So John 17, verse four, Jesus said, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. I did what you asked me to do and I brought you glory. It was for you. It was not what I wanted. It was not, not for my kingdom, my glory. It was for your kingdom, for your glory. First John 5 14 through 15 says this. And this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us according to his will because that's what brings him glory. When we position our desires behind his, that's what brings him glory. So that's what it means. So what does it do? What does praying in the name of Jesus do? It's very simple. It gets through to God it works. God hears us when we pray in the name of Jesus. It works. And we know that he wants to help and desires to help and will help. So this is huge. Now let me bring it together with another example of a common place where names are used, and that's a check. First of all, a check is just totally worthless if it's connected to a bank account that has no money in it, right? It's like, it's not gonna work. But secondly, it's also just a worthless piece of paper if there's not a particular name on it, a signature. 
There has to be a signature on it. Now simply apply that to the bank of heaven. Just apply it to the bank of heaven. There isn't a single name in this room or in all of history that has a credit balance in, their, in the bank of heaven, except the name of Jesus. So if you're gonna come in your own name, you're in the red. It's gonna bounce. You're not gonna get what you asked for. You're in the red. Jesus is the only one not in the red. He's got credit to his account. Everyone else on our own, we are in debt to God. We are in debt to him. And so Jesus is, is, is now introducing this new thing. He says, if you come in my name, in other words, you pull from my account and here's my signature on that thing, you're gonna get what you asked for. You will get what you've asked for. Come on, this is good. It's not gonna bounce. So just come to God in prayer in the name of Jesus, meaning not my merits, yours, not my glory, yours. It's for you. And God will hear that prayer. He will. So that's praying through the son. There's one more help that God gives. As if that weren't enough, that's good help. There's one more and it's a big help and that is praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. You got plenty of time to talk about it, right? Let me start by reading Ephesians 6.18. It says this, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petitions for all the saints. Jude, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. All right. Well, depending on what denomination you grew up in and came from, this might mean very different things. <laughs> this could mean one or the other. This, uh, let's talk about that. Praying, not praying in the spirit is simply going to God and saying, God, and, and telling him really what you sense you need or feel you need is in, a, in a moment or a situation. And then God, and then through Jesus Christ, he sends it to God. And that's great. But praying in the spirit's a little different. Praying in the spirit is simply saying, actually, I don't want my own thoughts or my own words. I want your thoughts in your words. Praying in the spirit is to get the mind of the spirit in your mind and in your mouth. It's where there's an influence of the Holy Spirit on your mind and on your mouth. That is to pray in the Holy Spirit. And so, firstly, with the mind, what does that mean? Real simply, it means he speaks to us. He speaks to us that we're not just blindly praying prayers. We can actually stop and listen and say, God, what should I pray? And have him respond. I mean, this, this happens at a micro level like almost all the time, I feel like. I mean, just the other day, I got a text from a dear brother in this church. He was like, hey, I was just praying for you and this came to mind. Boom, here you go. And it, sure enough, it was like perfect with what we were talking about as a team, some discussions. It was like, man, that was the spirit. That's praying in the spirit. You're listening to God. We're listening. This is where... You surrender the what in prayer. What are you gonna pray for? Well, I want to pray for this, this, and that. That's fine, do that. There's another element and aspect of prayer where you're saying, I'm gonna slide that over here and say, Lord, what do you want me to pray for? And have him respond. He can speak. You know, often when, you know, if we, if we don't hear anything, it's usually because we just don't stop to listen. It's as simple as that. We just don't stop to listen. So how do you recognize a prayer in the spirit? How do you know if you're praying in the spirit versus just thinking about stuff? A couple things, three things. The Father's will will come forth. The first one is the Father's will. You will have 
you know, remember the Holy Spirit is God. And so prayer in the spirit will be a prayer that is according to the will of God. First of all, it starts with what's revealed in his word, but then it goes beyond that to a specific thing in which you can pray into, a very specific thing. So for example, if you are praying for a situation, maybe there's a situation in which you need immediate breakthrough or patience. You're like, which one do you pray for? You want both, or you actually want the breakthrough, but you also know patience is needed. How do you know which one to press into? That's when you submit to the, the spirit of God and say, spirit of God, what do I pray? He may say, hey, I want you to press into patience. Pray for patience. Or it might be breakthrough. It's pray for breakthrough right now. But there's no way we can know that unless we open up our minds and ears to hear from the Holy Spirit. What is he saying about this? You know, it's, it's, it's having a strong sense of the will of God. It's not saying, thus say the Lord. It's just this, I have this strong leaning that he's wanting me to press into here or wanting to do something here. You know, for example, you might be, there might be a sick person and you don't know if it's the Lord's will in this moment to heal that person. But if you're praying in the spirit, you'll know. It's either time or it's not time. And if you don't know, then you'll, you'll leave the back door open and say, if it's your will, Lord, if it's your will. Or you'll do the opposite and just kind of pray for everyone who's ever been sick. And it's like, surely one of them, you know, like, has gotta be the timing. But to pray in the spirit is to know, it's this inner sense of like, I believe the Lord is speaking in this moment, this is going to happen. And it's pressing into that and it's taking that in faith and walking in the spirit with a clear mind. The second thing it'll do is it'll glorify Jesus. It'll, the Holy Spirit came to glorify Jesus. And so the only thing I'm gonna say to this is if you hear a prayer and there's a hint of self-glorification in it, I can promise you right now that is not a prayer in the spirit. Don't be fooled by big words, emotions, tears, all that is great. I'm not knocking that, but if there's a hint of self-glorification, yeah, you can trash that whole thing. It is not a prayer in the spirit. A prayer in the spirit leads you more to Jesus, not to the person praying. Beware of that. And lastly, the word of God will come forth in that prayer. It's the sword of the spirit, Ephesians 6 talks about. You will, it will echo the word of God. So again, same warning applies. No matter how loud that prayer is or emotional, if it doesn't echo and align with the word of God, it is not a prayer in the Holy Spirit. It's just not. So there's actually one more aspect of praying in the spirit that the Bible teaches. And it's less to do with our minds and more to do with our mouths. And that's what the Bible calls tongues. Question mark, all right. Tongues is a weird word, so I'll give you that. It is a weird word, uh, but it just means languages. Languages, we can, we can roll with languages. We got that one. Tongues is strange, but this is where the Holy Spirit influences our mouth more than our mind, more than our mind. And of course, depending on the denomination you grew up in, uh, you, were either, you were either taught that praying in the Spirit was either with the mind or with the mouth, not both. And you might've also been taught to despise the other one. And I wanna tell you that of course the answer is both. This is what I see scripture teach. This is what I see in the Bible. Let me read 1 Corinthians 14, starting at verse 14 and 15. Paul's writing and he says this, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit and 
I will sing with the mind also. This is the Holy Spirit helping us to pray. And it's incredibly helpful. It's helpful especially when you need your concentration somewhere else. So you can't really engage in this mental prayer. Like maybe you're driving or maybe you're doing some sort of work. You can't just stop. You need, but you feel the need to pray. So there's this gift of language. Or, or it's an it's a incredible gift because you don't know what to pray. You truly are at a loss for words. And so you allow the Holy Spirit to influence your mouth more than your mind. Now, I know that this topic requires an entire sermon or two or three to sort through all the different chatter from the different perspectives. And, um, you know, I, I would say this, though, if this is a new concept for you, treat it like a new meal that maybe a foreign meal you haven't tried yet. You know, I, I, my wife is Indian. And so when we first got married, there were some South Indian dishes that I was just like, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I'll try it, but, you know, in my heart, I'm like... That looks spicy. <laughs> but guess what? You, you learn more about it. You try it. It turns out, you know what? I love that meal. It's great. And so if this is a new concept, maybe treat it in that way. Just I'm not asking you to swallow the whole thing. I'm not asking you to toss it. Think about it. Search the word. Try it in that sense. And so I, I don't have a ton of time to like break this whole thing down. Like I said, it's an entire sermon in itself. But I'm going to say three things that I think will be helpful about this gift of speaking in another language. And that is, number one, it is a gift it is a gift from the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 talk a lot about this, but the, the ability to express a prayer in a language that you don't even understand is a gift from the Holy Spirit. And if you're humble enough like a child, I mean, you have to be, you have to be if you wanna receive this gift because it's, all, it's like childlike talk you'll be doing. Languages you, you don't understand, it's a very humbling experience. Yeah. But it is a gift and it's a beautiful gift. And if anyone belittles that gift, I would, I would say, hey, this is the first gift the Lord gave to his church on Pentecost. You remember in the book of Acts, they're praying, I mean, all night, I mean, they're going for it hard in prayer, seven days, eight days, nine days. On that 10th day, the Holy Spirit descends and they, they're, they're praying strong mental prayers. And on that day, it was, hey, the Holy Spirit's gonna bypass that and they're praying with their mouths now in a language they didn't understand. And the fire was lit. <laughs> it's the first gift he gave to his church. And if you think it's a, Small gift, I would say, or uh, if, if you think it's the lowest gift, I'd say it's the greatest gift to start with then. It's a great starter gift. <laughs> Ask him for that. But secondly, it is primarily for yourself. The gift of speaking another language that you don't understand is primarily for yourself. We stand with the Apostle Paul who said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 19, he said, I would rather speak five words to you in church that you understand than 10,000 in another language. Do the math. That's 2,000 times more valuable to speak a language you understand than some, something you can't. And this is the same Paul who also said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. And I wish that you all spoke in tongues. He's, he's saying both of these things. You see the balance. And the only benefit of speaking in tongues in a public setting is if you have someone to interpret. I mean, 1 Corinthians 14 just lays it out. It's very practical. You don't need to overthink it at all. You will read it and understand it. If someone's speaking in a different language in public and there's no one to interpret, everyone's like, I don't know what he said. I can't amen that. I don't know. He could have said something crazy. It's not helpful. So he... he he keeps it to this, uh, this private place in prayer. And, and, and truthfully, if anyone has a, I don't know, grudge against that gift, it's probably because they saw it used in an improper context. 
is probably what happened. And that is off-putting and it's very confusing for sure. So the last thing I'll mention on, on this is that it's for your edification. First Corinthians 14, four, the one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. If you speak in a tongue, you edify yourself. Now, how, how does it edify us? Because it is essentially God saying, you know what to pray? I'm gonna give you a prayer. You just give it right back to me. It's a perfect prayer in that sense. It's a prayer that came straight from the heart of God that he's hearing in his ears and he's gonna respond to. It's like you give your child $5 so you can get a gift from your child from that $5. It's like, there's an exchange here. He's like, here, just take it. And there's this, there's this bubbling up within your heart that you may experience. And, and at that moment, you just let it out and you, you, you pray in tongues, God understands. And you feel this relief in your heart. It's pressure is relieved in your heart and you feel joy and peace overcome you. And you find an inner strength when you're doing this. Okay, so I'm gonna try to wrap it up here with um, how do you pray in the spirit? Both your mind and your mouth. And it's very simple and it's the, sim- uh, it's the same principle that we see all throughout scripture. And that is in faith, you ask and you receive. God knows we're simple people. You ask and you receive. In particular for the gift of tongues, I'll, I'll make a note. We don't see this gift appearing until people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's at that moment that we, it starts to appear. <clears throat> and the only way to know really if you've received such a gift, if you've asked him, is to try it, is to try. The Holy Spirit is not going to just take over your mouth and start praying for you. It's, it's you praying in the Spirit, not the Holy Spirit praying in the Spirit. It's you praying in the spirit. I've heard too many stories of people asking for the gift of tongues and, and then they just, I just wait. Is it working? It's not working. Of course it's not working like that. It's not how it works. It's your language. I, you know, the fruit of the spirit is self-control, not a loss of control. Not, and anytime you, you, if you hear a testimony or story about someone losing control, put, put some flags up. Put some flags up. I'm just saying. I can get in. I don't want to get into that. Let's let's stay focused. So, the fruit of the spirit is self-control, meaning you are in control of that language. There was a story. I was in Africa for doing some mission work a while back, and it was a small team, and I was gathered with these local pastors, and we were just in a prayer meeting, real simple. And the lady next to me um, starts praying in tongues, and but she does it in a way that's pretty distracting for the group, and it's a small group, so it's like everyone's just like, you know. And I just lean over to her and give her a little nudge. And I was like, hey, maybe not right now with the tongues. Just simple. And she stops and looks at me a little offended and was like, I can't control it. Okay, do you, do you see the irony in that? Because I was like, well, you, you kind of just did. Uh, it is not a loss of self-control. It's actually more self-control. It's not, it's not as spontaneous as you might think. If someone has the gift of teaching, you're just gonna in the shower, all of a sudden, spontaneous, I'm teaching in the shower. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Okay, I'll get off that. All right, last thing, who can receive this gift? Who can receive this gift? Well, the question that some have asked is, do I have to or must I? And I wanna say, well, maybe that's the wrong question. The question, it might be better to ask, may I? Like, it's not required and in fact, 1 Corinthians also says, Paul says, do all prophesy, do all heal, do all speak in tongues with the clearly 
implied answer. Well, no, not everyone, no. The question isn't, is it required? But the question is, is it recommended? Yes, it is recommended. And so how do you receive it? And who can receive it? You ask God. Ask God to fill you with his spirit. The spirit helps us in prayer by speaking to our minds when we don't know what to think and speaking to our mouths and speaking through our mouths when we don't know what to say. All right, I'm gonna zoom back out. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We pray to the Father through the Son in the Spirit. What more help could we even ask for? He's helped us so much that if we forget who we're praying to, he's like, hey, you're praying to the Father. If we don't, real, if we don't know if we're gonna be heard, hey, you're praying through the Son, you'll be heard. We don't even know what to say. He will speak to us. Man, I wanna encourage you, press into prayer because he is there to help. He wants us to pray more than we want to pray. He wants to answer our prayers more than we want them answered. And when we pray in faith, he will. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm gonna invite some prayer leaders, some life group leaders up to the front in this moment. And I want us to really respond to this by, by really just raising your faith. If you know this is the Father, this is the Son, and this is the Spirit, my goodness, maybe I will ask God. Maybe I will pray for that thing that I wasn't sure about. Maybe I will believe, whereas before I wasn't sure if he wanted to or would. Press in. And so if you have this thing come into your mind, it's like, man, I've been praying for this thing. And maybe I've dropped it, or maybe I haven't pressed in. I'm saying press in now. You can come up to the front. These folks will pray for you. They'll press in with you. But if you have not called God your father, maybe you're not confident yet, ask God to forgive you of your sins. He will. Come to Jesus. He'll wash you white as snow. And then receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He will fill you up. You will feel a bubbling up, and it's up to you to use your mouth, to use your voice box, to use your muscles Overcome that psychological hurdle of hearing yourself say things in a, in a language you don't understand. That's a real thing. But you can overcome that. And maybe if you're gonna ask God for the gift of tongues, also ask him for courage to try it. Just to, just to try it. But God has something for each of us this morning. Don't leave without getting it. So if you need prayer, come on up in just a sec. I'm gonna pray and when I'm done, just, just come on up. God's here to answer our prayers. That's why we pray. Father, we thank you that you have done it all, that you've given us all the help we could imagine, that you have truly been our ever-present help in time of need. And we ask, Lord, fill us with faith. Give us faith. Increase our faith. Help us in our unbelief. You want to answer our prayers. And we, we knock on the door of heaven, not in our name, but in the name of Jesus Christ. We say, open it up, Lord. Pour out the floodgates of heaven, God. We want a move of your spirit. We want to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus, be glorified in this moment. And I pray, Father, that you would pour out your gifts to this church, that we might be edified and strengthened and encouraged, that we would strengthen and sharpen one another, Lord. We love you, God, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on up if you want prayer.